I have a very dramatic announcement. So anyone with a weak heart should leave now. Unreal. Revolution. Revolution. Uncensored. Revolution. Revolution. Unfiltered. Revolution. Revolution. Unchanged. Revolution. Revolution. Unadulterated. Revolution. Revolution. Unbelievable. CliffCentral.com. Revolution. 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 A very, very hearty welcome to all our listeners around the globe this afternoon. You are listening to Professor David Block, and as always, you and I shall be looking up. The global feed is called Looking Up with David Block. Allow me to give you some contact details, as always, as to how to reach us in studio. I'm the most fascinating guest here today, and I'll be introducing her in a moment's time. But let me just give you some numbers and contact details as to how to reach us. Uh, to reach us in studio, uh, I know Bonda's going to reach us in studio today at 0861-555-189. That's 0861-555-189. The Twitter handle is at cliffcentral.com. The Facebook, uh, WeChat ID is Cliff Central. And those are certainly the most popular, uh, ways and methodologies of reaching me. So, my universe, the universe which I study, the universe that I look up to, the universe in which I live, move, and have my being, is, of course, the universe of the stars, the universe of the galaxies, the universe of the planets, and much, much more besides. But, of course... That is my theater. That's the theater in which the professor just loves to be, to enact the, in the awesomeness of the glory of God as I research his cosmos. Now, I came across a very interesting quote, uh, which uh, our uh, esteemed guest showed me uh, this afternoon. And it really resonates with my soul, and so I'd like to read it before I introduce my guest. Because today we, the the uh, broadcast is entitled, the feed is entitled, uh, Theatre and the Mood of the Age, Theatre. So, as I've said, I have my theatre above, and what is, but of course the theatre's below, on terra firma. And so, Duncan, what do you think of this squad? I mean, come on, just listen to this. The theatre allows us to converse with our souls, to passionately pursue and discover ways of living with ourselves and others. We are all artists, and theater is a language. We have no better way to work together, to learn how to, to learn about each other, to heal and to grow, penned the wor- words of penned the uh, Michael Rod in nineteen eighty eight, and what resonates with your soul in that we are all artists, Duncan, and theater is a language. Uh, what resonates with me, Professor, is, is the fact uh, and the free uh, expression, freedom of expression, and finding yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I can take from uh, that uh, extract. That I just love that freedom of expression and finding and finding yourself. yourself. All right, now listen to this. I have in front of me, sitting here in studio at cliffcentral.com, Inga James. Now, if this CV does not get you to run up and down, if this CV does not ignite your neurophysiological processes, then you need to apply for a job at FBOB or Doves. You did. <laughs> I mean, Duncan, just listen to this. I mean, it is just extraordinary. Inga James's studies in the performing arts started after school in dance and drama uh, at a Pretoria Performing Art College in the year 2000. She obtained a BA degree in languages at the University of Pretoria in 2003 and a PGCE in education at the UJ uh, 2004, she furthered her studies with an honors degree in drama at WITS, where I met her 2006, 
um, specialized in drama and education in 2009. But just listen to this. Just listen to this. She's performed as an actor, a dancer, a voiceover artist, and a movement artist. Wow, Duncan, I just... This is amazing. Her major theater productions include uh, The Lord of the Dance, a classical retelling on the original Irish poem by Sidney Carter through dance, movement, and drama. Inga has performed uh, throughout our country as an actor, as a movement, and as a mime artist, and as a voiceover artist in a touring production for Wycliffe's uh, The Chained Book. I mean, this is just stuff that dreams are made of. Yeah. Hey, Duncan, I mean, just this is stunning. I feel like I haven't lived yet, Professor. Well, I feel I haven't studied yet, uh, Duncan. <laughs> I feel I need to become a student all over again. Mm. I mean, just listen to this. She's gone to the States. Her theater work there has extended in the States. Listen, Duncan, she was cast as Mary Warren at uh, the Masterworks Festival in the Crucible, which was directed by uh, John Kirby, you know, the director of Narnia and Deja Vu and The Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, it's just too much for me. You know, recent film work includes the role of Leanne in a drama web series. This is who we're interviewing today. Recent film work includes the role of Leanne in a drama web series called Finding the Father. Oh, Inga James, we are just so honored to have you with us today. We're so excited. We're just so thrilled that you could find the time to be with us here on Cliff Central. This very special day, uh, theater and the mood of the age. And it's a singular joy to have you on my program. Good day, Professor. It is truly a privilege to be here. And, um, yes, I'm looking forward to the interview. Great stuff. So let's jump straight in. So Inga, as you've heard, has been a student of the performing arts for some years. Well, that's just putting it mildly, right, folks? (laughs) (laughs) And has uh, researched, done a lot of research on the theater. Now, what's interesting is this. You know, Duncan, one of the key words, right, in our society is transformation. How do we transform? How do we transform inside? How do we transform outside and so on? Now, her research, Duncan, is focused on one's potential to act as an agent of transformation. Mm -hmm. So, there's just so much to unpack in this little piece. Uh, Inga, please tell us more about yourself, about your journey with the performing arts, and then specifically focusing on theatre as an agent of transformation. And just take your time and just captivate us in your inimitable way. Thank you, Professor. Well, it really all started with a dream as a young girl. Mm. Um, when I saw the stage, it just really called to me. I've been in love with the performing arts since, since a tender age. I directed plays at school. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Was, was part of um, productions there, and that went on to studies in the performing arts after school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always think that, that one thing that makes you tick, that makes you stand up at 4 o'clock in the morning without mm. Having to be paid mm. That passion oh. In your belly oh. That is really the thing That brings life to you And to other people Brilliant and, mm. um, Yeah so So that's really What I went after And mm. um, just in line with that um, I've read the book The Dream Giver By Bruce Wilkinson oh. And um, he, t- he tells the story About ordinary And ordinary Comes home to his dad And just um, tells him About this big dream mm-hmm. And his father says uh, To him I'm not surprised To hear you say these things And I'm quickly Just reading an extract From that mm-hmm. And he says You're not No, his father said, you've had that dream ever since you were little. Don't you remember? You used to build that same dream with sticks and mud in front of this very house. Mm. And that is really how I feel. I have a dream, (laughs) said Martin Luther King Jr. That's what you're saying, indeed. Um, Absolutely. And that's where the the journey of theater started for me. So the journey of theater started with the dream, Duncan, which you've discussed so many times, and the passion, which you've discussed so many times, Duncan. 
Duncan, getting up at 4 a.m. and just feeling this is my theater. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And um, just um, loving the performing arts as well. I went on to ask the question about theater and its transformative ability. Mm. And, you know, when now I tell go. Tell us about that. That's <laughs> fascinating. I've never really thought of that. Uh, theater being an agent of transformation. Is this inner transformation, outward transformation? Tell us about this. I certainly will. Um, so my question was, uh, is how is it possible for transformation um, to happen in a theatrical context, mm-hmm. and how theatre's approach to audience members engages them as sentient human beings? Mm-hmm. So, over and beyond its acclaimed um, entertainment value, mm-hmm. can theatre impact us mm-hmm. to such an extent that 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 there's some kind of a change within us, within mm-hmm. our behaviour, within our thought processes, mm-hmm. within our belief systems? Mm-hmm. What makes Theatre is so very powerful. Mm-hmm. This is just awesome. And do you believe, I mean, we'll get on to this just now, but, you know, in a nutshell, do you believe that one can go into a theatre and come out actually transformed um, spiritually, mentally, physically? Can you believe that uh, theatre has got this uh, inexplicable magnetism, as it were, to it? Dr. Block, that's definitely what we're going to be exploring today. Yes, we'll be exploring and all of this. <laughs> the agents of transformation. You know, Duncan, I'm sure you and I, we've gone to certain theatres, we've gone to certain films, and sometimes we just touched. We don't know why we touched, mm. but we just touched. We somehow sit there and we transformed. We come out weeping. We don't know why we're weeping, but we come out transformed because the people who have been in theatre or on the film, uh, in the film, have actually touched our lives to the very cause of our beings. Have you had any such experiences, Duncan? No, no, definitely. That's true, Professor. I think it's the connection as uh, as human beings we make with the actual artists. Yes. But I, I sometimes wish that that feeling could just last longer in me. Yes. Once I've watched like a brilliant piece, yes. a movie, or a theatre oh, experience, yes. I just wish that yes. feeling that evoked in me could yes. last longer, Professor. Yeah. I think that is so true, Duncan. You know, may the feeling last longer. Instead of telling me, may the force be with you, which <laughs> I have great problems with, because as a professor of applied math. I don't know which force you're talking about And I certainly don't want some forces with me at all But uh, the force that you're talking of the, um, the awesomeness of the feeling That is just stunning And that's just your world, Inga Now I'm very interested to unpack this And to explore this And um, so There are two elements as I understand I had the privilege Listeners of um, looking at Inga's thesis uh, before this, before we uh, stepped on into theatre this afternoon, and uh, one thing that struck me as I just quickly looked through her thesis was that um, she uses this terminology and has chapters on it called uh, applied theatre. And uh, I'm extremely captivated by that. But rather than me giving it away, why don't you unpack that? Certainly, yes. During my studies, I I came across this concept of applied theatre. Tell us what it is. (laughs) Okay, certainly. So basically, applied theatre is theatre that is applied for social change and activism. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the central aim to bring about a transformation of some kind. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll quickly unpack where that came from. So mm-hmm. during the 1960s with the worldwide political uprisings, mm-hmm. um, all of that filtered through to the world of the arts mm-hmm. and it changed the role of theater um, forever as, mm. as we then knew it. Mm. Um, Theater activists pioneered new avenues of performances. They really wanted to focus on the needs of the present day um, issues and communities and to address um, social issues in the communities. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they took theater Mm -hmm. and they introduced unconventional performance methods, which I will also get into. Mm. But really just that the focus of applied theater Mm. is to go into the community at ground level and to bring about a social change. Mm-hmm. So now let's unpack this. How does this? First of all, first of all, let's start here. In the audience are people, and every person has an emotional center. Every person has a rational 
a part of the brain. Uh, you know, I think of the great astronomer Galileo Galilei and, you know, using his rational brain and then, you know, flitting over to the book of scripture and, you know, using his non-national, you know, I just, I, I'm just enamored by this. Now, you know, Duncan and I, for example, going to a theater, we have our brains hopefully with us. And, um, although some of our students leave them at home. And, uh, so there's the emotional side, there's the rational side. How does this all apply to applied theater? Because obviously you're trying to dart in on the emotions, right? And bypass the rationality. Absolutely. So basically within applied theater, what really happened was that, um, theater practitioners started making use of what they called interactive Theater methods. Wow, that's interesting. I never heard of that, Duncan. Have you? No, it's like uh, 3D for the theater, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Please tell us what that is. Yes. So, so what basically happens? What happens to me if I'm sitting in an applied <laughs> theater? Well, um, Professor, um, you will see that the divide between yourself and the the, the actors yes. will no longer be there. Really? So, How does that happen? So, what we know as the the, the unseen fourth wall, where there's no eye contact between the unseen you. fourth wall. Wow, Duncan, <laughs> this is extraordinary. Yes. So, so where there's um, there's absolutely this divide between yourself and the performance area yes. and the actors. You don't make any eye contact with mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that has changed. Mm-hmm. Where the actors will now actually make direct contact with um, the audience. They will directly speak to the audience. They will be direct eye contact contact, um, mm-hmm. and the audience actually becomes like. Like a third character, they collaborate then mm-hmm. in the final script of this production. Mm-hmm. So there's an interactive engagement with your audience. You no longer just sit as a, a passive viewer and watch the performance, but mm-hmm. you become part of the performance through mm-hmm. these interactive theater methods. And how does it actually work? I mean, yeah, I'm sitting in theater. Uh, how do I actually... Uh, you know, how do I, suppose you're on stage, how do I secure eye contact with you? I'm still not quite on par with this because I'm only a professor. <laughs> so basically what the actors will do is they will actually address the audience directly and ask them questions directly uh-huh. as the characters. Uh-huh. Um, there's also what they call hot seating. That's another interactive method. What's hot seating? That is where the audience gets the opportunity to interview the characters. Oh, that's fascinating. And ask them questions. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes, ask them mm-hmm. questions about their decisions, about mm-hmm. their beliefs, about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get an opportunity to to talk to the characters mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have what we call role play, where members of the audience can come up to the stage and they enroll as the character. Oh, wow. Making decisions wow. in that moment as wow. the character. So wow. um, these are a few examples of mm-hmm. interactive Theatre mm-hmm. methods mm-hmm. that applied theatre practitioners have started employing. Hmm. I just think this is fascinating. You know, Duncan has just put up something which I just think is so appropriate to all of this. It's a little book called Theatre for Living by David Diamond. Theatre for Living. And uh, the subtitle is The Art and Science of Community-Based Dialogue. But there's something quite interesting which I'm reading here. And I quote, A curious but effective blend of artistic autobiography, theater and social activism theory and a toolkit of methods for using theater. Here it is. Using theater as a praxis for social transformation. Formation. So, in other words, not only can the audience interact with the um, role players uh, up on stage, but can they actually interact while they're watching the play? Yes, that that depends on the interactive methods that have been introduced um, and and how it's been laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, there is that element of the audience participating mm-hmm. actively um, mm-hmm. and. Altering the final product of this production, mm. so they really become part of the production. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 in this, under the umbrella of applied theatre today, um, we have what we call community-based theatre, theatre for development, um, theatre in education, playback theatre, um, even drama therapy. All of these are different types, if you will, of theatre under the umbrella of applied theatre, mm. once again with the vocal aim of 
trying to bring about some kind of change in behavior or mm. um, belief mm. um, through what we call interactive theater mm. methods. Um, it is used today really to address social issues, mm. um, issues in South Africa with the, and the youth, um, issues such mm-hmm. as HIV and AIDS, mm-hmm. trauma, uh, social mm-hmm. behavior. A group, uh, a theater group can go into a school and put on a production mm-hmm. about a theme such as bullying mm-hmm. um, and have the kids interacting with the characters. Okay, um, now how would that work? Because <laughs> as you might not know this, you probably don't, but you know, I Severely bullied at school, very, very severely so. I hated rugby with a passion, Duncan. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I was, uh, you know, and, you know, Demain Manor were always the rugby players. Yeah. And, you know, the, when it came to choosing prefects, it was the main manor, the manor with the balls. Well, that doesn't sound too good, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the person with the, um, you know what I mean, the rugby <laughs> ball. <laughs> Duncan, I guess that uh, the professor thinks too far sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, in other words, um, here I was, the person without the balls, the rugby balls. And... Um, so now, suppose, suppose I was suffering, which I'm not, but suppose I was suffering from deep down hurts, from bullying. Uh, how would this therapy theatre work, um, Inga? Okay, well, um, a, a theatre production could go to a school and set up a scenario yes. of where bullying is taking place right. and with elements that the audience can really relate to. Right. So a story lane and storyline and, right. and characters. Um, right. You know, and how would this story unfold? How would you, how would it be used as a therapy? Okay, so within the scenario that is being played out, mm-hmm. what the theatre group is really looking for is learning to take place within that context. Yes. And um, it's, it's, it's really, if you think of, of, of the psychologist Frere who said that learning takes place through doing and active participation. So let's say there's a scenario, a storyline, because we all make sense of our lives um, through stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, of, of bullying, um, some scenario that's played out. What they could, for example, do is bring some of the kids up to in play or enroll as one of the characters and what decisions will you make in the scenario I'm um, asking the audience members questions about the story about mm-hmm. the characters um, and really uh, creating awareness within the kids creating a space for them to actively participate mm. and learn through doing through mm. being involved in that setup mm-hmm. now let's also take I mean you know say high school kiddies um you know, I remember Duncan uh, walking past uh, the gents uh, at a certain venue once, uh, not too long ago, and there was a sign on the door, and it said, Apologies. So I looked at it, and it said, We apologize. The condoms in the toilet for the last two months have been faulty. We apologize. Mm. So you're dealing with people with HIV and AIDS, and so it's very prevalent. You mentioned those words earlier. They feature very prominently in your thesis. Um, how is theatre used there for, um, you know, therapy for education and so forth, applied theatre, that is? Professor, yes, um, I uh, did my case study on one such theatre group wow, that actually goes awesome. into schools and they wow. want in to inform learners about HIV wow. and AIDS and to talk, teach them about this. And um, This is amazing. You know, it has been documented that in South Africa we have some of the highest um, rates of infections in the world mm-hmm. with um, about, well, these were the rates when I did my study, so they it could have altered, but about 260,000 children under the age of 15 years that are infected Um, so you Mm. know the the numbers just increase um, day by day but really these theatre groups go into the schools and through interactive methods they um, want to educate the learners about um, sexual behaviour and you know HIV and AIDS Mm. Um, so as I said my research then was specifically uh, observing one of these groups going into the school and trying to create that learning environment And do you find that there is actually a difference that people who've been under this umbrella come away uh, with a different, not sexual orientation, but a different way of thinking about sexual encounters? Well, I think it definitely opened their eyes. My my thesis was a qualitative research um, Mm -hmm. approach Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a quantitative one. Mm -hmm. And I really um, observed the engagements levels of the children, um, of the learners, Mm -hmm. um, you know, during the production. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I observed the list, uh, the, the learners and I, I really, um, looked at and analyzed their engagement levels, um, and how they engaged in the scenarios. Um, there were also questionnaires that were filled in afterward and it was really the in the moment, um, observation you know, in, in this theatrical mm-hmm. spaces, mm-hmm. um, and just really creating a awareness within them. I think that was one of the main things, mm. um, you know, within the, these scenarios mm. and, and these productions. Um, so, so, you know, as, as, as I spoke about this, I've been exposed to, to the umbrella of applied theater and interactive methods, and they certainly have proved to create the most amazing learning spaces mm. for audience members. Mm. Um, but, Professor, there was still something mm-hmm. nagging mm-hmm. at me. Um, theatre, I'm, I'm very passionate about theatre. Mm. I love sitting in the audience, you know, that moment when the when the curtain opens, that expectancy. Um, but there was something that, that said to me, why, what... What, there, there's something about theatre that makes it really, really powerful. Mm. Something embedded in it. Mm-hmm. And that is what I was after. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, I, I, um, further research took me a little bit further, which I will talk about now. Um, but yes, this, the, the applied theatre was really the background to that. And what I really also found was that it engaged the rational side of, of, of the mind and um, where we, you know, where we also make decisions. Um, and, and just creating that, that learning space where I can practice, so to speak, how to act and react in real life, giving mm-hmm. me a rehearsal space for real life, mm-hmm. creating awareness, making me think actively mm-hmm. as I participate in these interactive theater methods. Mm-hmm. Professor. Yes. Uh, in our modern time, uh, we've been bombarded with something called reality TV, mm. where supposed, mm. supposedly someone is followed by a camera for the whole day, mm. and you actually get to see the real side of them. Mm. And in that way, it's not giving back to the community in any way. Mm. But with this whole uh, applied theater, mm. you can see that this is really reality mm. TV, and mm. it's helping solve all the challenges that mm. most people can face. It's really real. Yeah. Mm. So this is reality theater. What are your comments on that? Because I remember uh, watching these reality shows not for long because I, you know, my boredom set in after two seconds. But um, you know, I mean, the point was that you saw people being televised, and you know, one going to a bed with another one, and some. And uh, so I just feel that there's so much more to life, as Duncan says, and that you know, what's so much more to life is indeed. Uh, Life, soul, movement, dance, art. And uh, what's your comment on Duncan's um, uh, thoughts? I think uh, that is just so appropriate. Well, uh, theatre definitely creates that space. Theatre is like a mirror. For oh, us, a Duncan. mirror of ourselves. Theatre is like a mirror. <laughs> we we get to observe wow. ourselves. Um, wow. So 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 absolutely. And you, <laughs> you know, you can go to the movies, but in, in the theatre space and context, it's the in the moment mm. live performance. Mm. The, for me, there's nothing quite like mm. that moment, mm. um, that real life moment. Mm. Um, yes. So it, it definitely mm. is um, associated. It's, with it's the giving back life. more to the community rather than uh, these reality TV series that we see. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, mm. you are sitting in the theater space. You are experiencing mm. that, those emotions, that storyline in the moment. Mm. Um, it, it, it's just a magical moment. Mm. You are listening to Professor David Block and I have the privilege of, uh, and singular joy of interviewing a masterful, uh, young genius, uh, in the world of theater. In the world of movement, in the world of visual arts, in the world of dance, in the world of emotion, in the world of impact, in the world of homing in on one's emotional zones rather than your rational zones. Theatre is like a mirror. Wow! So, we need a little break because we've just got so much buzzing in our heads. Just before we take a music break with Inya, uh, you can reach us in studio on 0861-555-189, 0861-555-189. And, of course, the WeChat ID is just the most favorite way of reaching me at Cliff Central. I see Inappropriates with us, Duncan. Inappropriate, mm. he says. Ah, welcome, Inappropriate. Always glad to have you. Inga, this person's name on WeChat is actually inappropriate. So it's not as if I'm reading wrongly. His name is inappropriate. He says, Prof. Well, that's just awesome, inappropriate. Sad to be going away. 
Wow, that sounds as if you're migrating to Mars. When you tell an astronomer you're going away, we have thoughts in our neurophysiological processes that you're going away for a long period of time. Tell me on WeChat if you're going to Mars, because I might join you. Um, but you'll always update yourself with my podcast. Uh, that's the impact of this, isn't it? It's futuristic. Just, it's just, that's right. It's futuristic. He can download the podcasts wherever he is around the world. He says, keep well as I will be with you in spirit and always look up. Wow. Well, what do I say to that except inappropriate? You're amazing. And I trust you're enjoying the show. And now, before we continue with Inga James, Enya. Ah, Armstrong. Armstrong. I see trees of green. Red roses too. I see them bloom. in you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright, blessed day, the dark, sacred night. Well, there's only one, Louis Armstrong. I remember listening to those songs when I was still a young boy in Krugersdorp, Mohali City. In those days, it was not a city. And Duncan, who is Mohali? <laughs> Professor, I've stayed there most of my life. And I just don't know who this Mukhali guy is. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe somebody that. can help us. Mm. I need to understand where I was born. But uh, I know where I was born, except that I'm not sure wh- um, why it is called Mukhali. You're listening to Professor David Block. My personal webpage is www.davidblock.co.za. That's www.davidblock.co.za. And my Twitter feed, my Twitter handle, is at Starry Galaxy Man. At Starry Galaxy Man. We're having a most fascinating chat, discussion, in-depth discussion, more than in-depth discussion with Inga James, uh, who comes from the world of, you know, theater, who comes from the world of dance and form and art and oh, I'm just so touched to have Inga James with us today. She's Really, if you listen to her words, it makes you think. Now, Inga, of course, um, you've been speaking to me about theatre as an agent of uh, transformation, uh, and you've told us a little bit about that, and then we looked at applied theatre. But now, what did you conclude? I mean, you've done a whole project, a whole thesis here in front of me. Um, you know, can theatre be life-changing? I mean, can it really change your life? Or do you just go in, as Duncan says, and you come out and perhaps the feeling lasts for an hour? You know, you think of it. You know, I suppose, Duncan, when I went to theater as a child, you know, I'd go in smart clothes. Do you know what I mean, Duncan? Yeah. And then my daddy would take me to a restaurant. And by the time I'd finished my food, I'd forgotten what I've seen at the theater. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's fascinating. We asked my one son, what movie did you see in the morning? And by the evening, he'd forgotten. So I didn't remember the title of the movie. So that's the world we live in. Just info, 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 fast info. Here you sort of touching the soul of people. What did you actually conclude, Inga, uh, with regard to theatre being uh, actually not just ch- momentarily changing of the mood, but uh, life-changing? Professor, I'm so glad you asked me that question. This really excites me. Um, anyone who's been to theatre will know that theatre has the capacity to involve the senses, your emotions, your intellect. And in my studies, I came across supporting research that states the following. As human beings, we actually have two brains or two minds, if you will. Uh, the rational and the emotional brain. And this is beautifully um, addressed in Daniel Goleman's book, 
called Emotional Intelligence. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a worthwhile well book to have mm-hmm. on the shelf. And he talks about these two minds, um, these two brains, the, the emotional and the rational. And he goes on to say that although we operate from these two and they are in, in tight harmony with each other, mm-hmm. um, they are semi-independent faculties. Mm-hmm. But when we make decisions, mm-hmm. it is the emotional mind that wins. Mm. That is where we have the deeper seated conviction of our decisions. Mm. Mm. So when um, there's, a, there's, there's a child in danger, you will place yourself in a situation of danger to save that child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think about scenarios, yes. uh, your scenarios, just where you make a decision mm-hmm. based on your emotions, mm-hmm. and he actually an instinct almost absolutely, and he, mm-hmm. he goes on to explain that in his book, Emotional Intelligence, mm-hmm. and that got me thinking mm-hmm. because theatres most powerful attribute is its ability to engage both faculties mm. the reason and the emotions mm. Mm. so if theater has this ability to talk to your heart and your mind mm. making it a language of the soul beautiful beautiful um, it, it is a, a theater becomes a sensory vehicle, um, with the ability to trigger emotions without which we really make any decisions. Um, theater accesses your thoughts and your feelings and it speaks to the psyche of the human being. So basically theater, which can be very thought promoting, uh, thought provoking and emotionally absorbing has this capacity to involve the senses and to speak directly to your emotions where you make so many decisions, where you mm. make your core decisions. Mm. Mm. And from that stance, I just realized for me, theater definitely has the capacity to um, to change lives, to bring about a transformation, because it it speaks to both minds, both reasons, the or at least the the, the, the faculty of reason, um, your intellect as well as your emotions, your feelings. Mm. It engages both those um, mm. faculties um, in the moment, and and that is why when you know with the art, when when I listen to a song, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I wanted to phone one of my parents, mm-hmm. I, I I'll put it off. I don't have time now. Mm-hmm. I'm reasoning myself out of it. Mm-hmm. But play a song about um, you know, your 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 dad or your mom. Immediately it touches your heart, and you are on the phone within two minutes. Mm-hmm. The art just has that that ability to to engage your emotions, and that is as I said, and as Daniel Goleman concludes in his book. Um, um, emotional intelligence, mm. where we make uh, most of our decisions, mm. um, you know, 70% of the time. Mm. Duncan's just brought up a beautiful quote of Goldman's, and it's, uh, life without passion would be a dull wasteland of neutrality, cut off and isolated from the richness of life itself, quote, unquote. Life without passion. Now, Inga started off her interview with the word passion. Life without passion would be a dull wasteland of neutrality, cut off and isolated from the richness of life itself. So, Inga, what you're actually saying is that there's been a huge uh, change from the traditional theater as I knew it in Krugersdorp, where you went and you saw some production, uh, to what you are doing now. But I think that perhaps I can identify with you if I think of Fiddler on the Roof, for example, if I think of Anna Kanarina, uh, if I think of uh, Dostoevsky and so forth, uh, I am reminded that uh, watching Fiddler on the Roof, for example, really touched my emotional center. Also, uh, Duncan, what was this film name with the guys dancing on the beach? Um, Zorba the Greek. I wouldn't know that movie. Oh, <laughs> How would I know so, that movie? Oh, Duncan, you're gonna just call up on the little, uh, you know what I mean? You're just gonna look on Google now. Zorba the Greek. I mean, we'll see what year it was. But uh, I don't know if you've seen Zorba the Group. But would you concur with me, um, uh, Inga, that uh, movies like that somehow touched my soul? And I've never forgotten that. I've just mm-hmm. never forgotten that. Is that the sort of thing you're speaking about? Absolutely, Professor. That is that is the the power of the art. Um, 
in line with that, I would really like to, to read this quote from Michaela, and this really sums it all up for me. Um, he says, Art has the most wonderful advantage of being able to invade the mm. private world and thinking of the audience. Mm. Art can disarm and relax the audience. And then, when all the guards are down, it can throw thought bombs into the heart that will explode oh. with the kick of inspiration and awe immediately, or preferably after some contemplation, some time later. Mm. Propaganda confronts and alienates Art should disarm and convict. And, um, Professor, you know, the golden nugget that I walked away with from this thesis is the following, that theater is an art form that triggers our emotions. And as a result, it can actually bypass the frontal lobe of reason and speak directly to the heart, to the emotional side. You know, as I said, where mm. we then make decisions. Um, and, and that for me was, um, really the key to, to, to why theater has the capacity to be an agent of transformation for its audiences mm. in today's society. Mm. I'm interviewing Inga James and I think that if I was not a professor of astronomy, I'd quickly go and relearn my studies, Duncan. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, because this is fascinating, the interplay between the right brain and the left brain, the interplay between reason and emotion. And, the, you know, you spoke about may the feeling last, Duncan, and I think that that's what Inga's trying to do in her world of applied theatre is it's a very big umbrella and she's trying to touch the souls of her audience. And to me, I find that absolutely uh, gripping. Uh, you've put up a little quote uh, written by, yeah, this from Zorba the Greek and from the book. Uh, you have your brush, you have your colors, you paint the paradise, then in you go. Oh, How do you like that? That is beautiful. You have your brush, <laughs> you have your colors, you paint the paradise, then in you go. Or I won't try and pronounce the name of the author because I remember having trouble with this before. Can you, Duncan? Uh, let me try. It's Nikos. Kazan Takan Takas. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Duncan, you're my linguist expert here. Um, I uh, sometimes get tongue tied with the uh, long Greek names. But you have your brush. You have your colors. You paint the paradise. Then in you go. Doesn't that speak to your soul? Tell me what that quote does for you, Inga. Professor. Um, if I think about us having a brush and being able to, to, to paint something on a clean canvas, it immediately just, uh, you know, makes me think of my passion for directing where the stage is a clean canvas hmm. and, and, and you have that ability to take your brush and paint and create a beautiful world on the stage for others to interact with. Um, and that also makes me think of how each person and each child is actually born with that, um, so to speak, symbolically that brush in his or her hand mm. that passion that they have is, is is really a brush um that they can use to create something um mm. and, and and i'm very very passionate about um children especially you know children um interested in the arts mm -hmm. but children engaging with that passion that they've been born with mm -hmm. um, because i believe that is like an artist's brush in their hand and um that, that they need to create with whatever mm. that passion might be mm. Wow, Duncan, I think this is riveting stuff. This is the stuff dreams are made of. I think when Martin Luther King said, I, Junior, I have a dream, it just fits in so well with what we are just uh, saying today. Is he had a dream, and that dream was life-changing. It was to be everlasting. And that's what we're talking about with Inga James today is each one of us walk along our paths, our dusty roads, we don't always have feelings in our heart of hope and purpose and belonging and of caring. But uh, I've known uh, Inga James for some years now, having been a professor at Wits for a long time. And uh, I suppose, Duncan, that you'll agree with me that we're dealing with somebody's life-changing herself in meeting her. Mm. And... Uh, I'm just so interested, though, Inga, in the fact that uh, my students are so addicted to technology. My students go to the toilet with their iPhones and sun blackberries, and they sleep with them. And it's 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 really 
It worries me. I've said this to Duncan often. It really worries me. Um, I never want to be buried with my cell phone. <laughs> I really, really don't. Now, we're living in an age where technology is flourishing so much. And my question to you is, given that technology is just flourishing by leaps and bounds, I mean, we can call up any piece of um, information in the flash of a second. Do children, especially, and adults, is theatre still relevant in today's age? Professor, I would like to answer that um, in, in two ways. First of all, for the audience and then um, for the people performing in a theatre production. Mm. Um, you know, as, as an audience member, when I sit and watch a theatre production, um, that whole experience, no uh, movie or, or any form of technology can give me that experience. I'm watching it in the moment, going through the storyline, watching the ar- characters create this beautiful story um on the stage in front of me in the moment, uh, that, that, that tension, um, the emotions that I feel in that theater space, um, you know, no form of technology can actually give that to mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just from the side of, 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 of the actors, um, being able to, for me as an actress, um, when I perform, I see it as a gift that I can give to the audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. without an audience, there is no theater. Mm-hmm. Um, That's lovely. Without <laughs> an audience, there is no theater. Very good. And, um, you know, being able to give that gift to a live um, audience who in a way becomes like a fourth character in your experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- th- that just contributes to the value of the arts. And, and I don't think today in today's society we, we, we often value the arts. Um, it's, it's easily set aside. Um, theater is just such a beautiful world that we can create. It is really a different way of picking up that paintbrush and creating, creating a reality. Um, creating a story and it's through mm-hmm. stories that we make meaning of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, just, you know, technology cannot give you that experience. Um, and, 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 and th- being able to sit in a theater and just experience that, it is just, instead of a slideshow, you have a live show. Mm. You know, it, um, it is enigmatic. Well, I think that, Duncan, you know, the sort of thing I'm thinking about is, you know, I had a student who was so lonely that even lonely people called him lonely. Ooh. And, um, you know, he went onto the web to try and find a wife. He did find a wife in the end. Um, but the interesting thing was that the wives on the internet didn't satisfy him, if you know what I mean. Um, he missed the, the technology doesn't carry the emotion. The intimacy. The, the intimacy, the touch, the interaction, the dreaming, the interface of rationality versus emotion, uh, whereas touch does. Uh, and so I believe, I fervently do that, however much technology advances, um, the world of arts, which includes the worlds of theater, will still be so relevant in centuries to come because these are uh, items which uh, can never, never uh, be replaced. And if you think of it, you know, with regard to Nelson Mandela, having met him a couple of times, the world was his theater, If you really think of it, if you give it a thought, the world was his theater. That's where he moved. That's where he became himself. That's where he took Grasa's hand and danced. Uh, The world was his theater. But his world was a highly focused theater in which uh, he focused on children. And so this is my next question to you, Inge, is should parents allow their Children to study the performing arts. I mean, is it a, is it something? Is it a worthwhile enterprise? Professor, my, um, my my father had that same question, and he was very concerned when I wanted to um, engage in the performing arts, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and um, follow that road of study. Um, but the one thing, also once again, a golden nugget about drama and the performing arts is that it's a space where, where children get to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot express myself, um, you know, I can run into problems later in life. Um, when I get an opportunity, a safe space to express my emotions and my feelings and my thoughts, um, it just makes me 
you know, a more confident person. Um, there are so many um, attributes and, 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 and so many um, life skills that I can learn mm-hmm. in this space. And, mm-hmm. and um, learners who who engage in the performing arts, get to know themselves far better than, mm-hmm. than, than kids who don't. And um, they really just basically get that space to express their thoughts and their feelings, mm-hmm. which is um, really one of the main mm-hmm. things for me. Um, now, why didn't you – I know that our time is running on and we're going to be playing some music and so on. Uh, you showed me a lovely quote before we went on air that really spoke to my soul and my spirit and my entire being. It really was just the most amazing quote. I'd like you to just read it and reflect upon it in our closing moments. I think it was a quote by, was it Kellerman? Or it was one of the quotes, yes, that you had. And it really just, I don't know, it just sums up everything we've been saying today. Why don't you read it to us? Um, certainly, I think it's, it's one that, that I read a little bit earlier, but I'm definitely going to, to read it again. It is just so beautiful. Um, so it, it goes to say that art has the most wonderful advantage of being able to invade the private world and thinking of the audience. Art can disarm and relax the audience, and then when all the guards are down, it can throw thought bombs into the heart that will explode with the kick of inspiration and awe immediately, mm. or preferably after some contemplation, mm. sometime later. Read that once again before <laughs> we close. Art has the most wonderful advantage of being able to invade the private world and thinking of the audience. Art can disarm and relax the audience, and then, when all the guards are down, it can throw thought bombs into the heart that will explode with the kick of inspiration and or immediately, or preferably after, some contemplation. Mm. You know, Inga, I just could interview you for hours, right, Duncan? It's just, mm. it's just, I don't know, this is not just, this is not just an experience, but it's, you know, it's what uh, Michael Rod said earlier, that theater allows us to converse with our souls, to pursue and discover ways of living with ourselves and uh, with others. And, you know, then, as Inga has beautifully said today, we are all artists, and theater is a language. There's no better way to heal and to grow than to work together in the awesome world of touching, of thinking, of feeling, of dreaming beyond the realms of tomorrow. Inga, we want to thank you, Duncan and I and Mm. Gareth Cliff and everybody you've met today. You met Gareth earlier for coming to our studio. I think you've almost cast a spell on our audience. Don't you think so, Duncan? I think it's just been... I don't know. I've been silent much of the time. It's very unusual for me. But uh, I've just been drinking in what she's had to say. Uh, such pearls of wisdom. And uh, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to make our little world uh, a brighter world, a world of touch, of feeling, of passion, of pursuing, and of discovery. You've been listening to Professor David Block. I've had the privilege and joy of interviewing uh, Inga James. And uh, Inga, do you have a web page at the moment or not quite yet? Uh, not quite yet. I am an aspiring theatre practitioner and I will be, um, you know, getting that into place. So soon. the next ma- major production, just in 10 seconds, is The Book in Chains, yes? Um, yes, I am. Just very quickly. Okay. Um, yes, I, I am part of a, a production, mm-hmm. a forthcoming production called mm-hmm. The Chained Book. Um, and uh, yes, that is one of the productions in, in, in which I am uh, currently involved with. Okay. So it's been a real joy and honor. And listeners, thank you so much as always. I just know this is going to be one of those podcasts of the week, Duncan. I mean, this one, if this doesn't rivet you, then I may as well go and sell flowers at West Park Cemetery. Two minutes of music. Professor David Block signing out. God richly bless you in your theater of operations. Cliffcentral.com.